You're listening to the Off the Line Soccer Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to Off the Line. My name's Jack. Today I'm joined by Jake. Jake, how are you? Hey, Jack. I'm doing good. Um, just in terms of the games, it's, it's been a great two weeks with uh, lots of you know titles and records and and relegation at stake. So it's been it's been quite eventful. And obviously, like we mentioned during the last international break, it's just just nice to have a, a nice little cooling down break before the Euro starting. We get we get right back into it. Just going to be three games a day for for a while. Obviously, I'm excited for the Euros, but it's just nice to have a little break just to just to recharge the batteries, I guess. <laughs> um, how, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm just happy the season's over. Everton going out with a bang, a 5-0 absolute hammering to Manchester City on the last day of the season, which was pretty much, and we'll get into it at the end, but pretty much a, a Sergio Aguero testimonial game where they just let him do whatever he wanted for as long as he wanted and just let him score all the goals. But uh, we'll touch on that at the end. Today we're going to go over... The Europa League final, the Champions League final, and then we'll go over just about how bad it started off. It's going to be more of a therapy session, I'm sure. We'll start off with the Europa League final. Villarreal taking on United in a game where I thought that United's quality would just completely, uh, you know, oh, they'd, they'd easily overcome Villarreal and Unai Emery in the final. and. That wasn't the case with uh, Villarreal winning 11 to 10 on penalties to win their first ever uh, European trophy. But Jake, you can just rant all, all you want. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll come in and out, but uh, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, just, yeah, I'm sure you could, you could tell by my face. It's just very, very sad, just absolutely heartbreaking. I'm laughing now, but trust me, on Wednesday and, and Thursday, I was not in, in a mood to to talk or basically do, do anything. It's kind of sad the way I reacted to it, but I was very angry. Um, it's just sad. Like, obviously, as a United fan, I, I miss the glory days, right? Just because, like, due to the age and even the fact that the games weren't even available on TV back when we were younger. Um, so this is literally on a par with the biggest game I've ever seen United play in my life, along with the other Europa League final, because um, the first season where the games were, like, accessible on TV, like, over here was... The, the David David Moyes season, which obviously is not what, not where you would want to start off your your United viewing experience, but that's the uh, the hand I've been dealt, unfortunately, I guess. And yeah, it's just very sad. I mean, there's just so much to go into that I almost don't want to go into it. It's just um, I felt it was the worst part too. Is I felt that United actually played like pretty well. Like obviously nowhere near um as decisive as it as it could have been, or nowhere near as showing like huge quality in the final third but i feel like united actually like had the run of play they had the ball more often um they they had villarreal under pressure more often and obviously it's, it's just the way they, the game works but villarreal come on like 39 percent possession one sean target and they end up winning it was just so sad um and yeah it's, obviously the part of it was united's bench was was pretty weak to be honest like fred donny van de Beek, like those are the best players on the bench. It's not really what you want. Um, I saw, obviously, of course, this is going to happen after games like this, but I saw a lot of United fans going after um, Solskjaer again after the final. It's like these fans are never content. Like It's either Solskjaer's doing a good job or they want him out, and there's no in between. It's just my opinion, right? I might just be very biased towards him, but I feel like he's he's generally done everything that he can at this point. You know, he, 
aside from Aiden, no one predicted United to finish second before the season, which is kind of crazy. I still can't believe you predicted that correctly. But um, no one no one would have expected United to finish second before the season. You see the players he got rid of. We wanted them out for years. Ashley Young, Chris Smalling, um, Alexis Sanchez, like those kinds of players. That he, he has been getting rid of the deadwood that, that needed to get cleared out. And um, I don't know, I'm just going in circles over here, but... As well as the, never mind just the whole game, just the penalties. I was getting so frustrated with the penalties from Villarreal because they were perfect. Like, you see the goalkeeper, the center backs, and the fullbacks just potting them all in the top corner. It was absolutely ridiculous. I could not believe what I was seeing. And I guess that, that's what happens when you shoot second, right? Because even as a fan, I was just looking at them and they were scoring every single penalty. And I was just going, oh my god, it's going to take at least two more penalties scored from United to win this game. It just kept kept wearing and... I'm not going to say, obviously, I was glad that the final whistle, or I was glad that Villarreal ended up winning on penalties, but by the time it was 11-10, I was ready for the shootout to be over at that point. It was just too, too, I was way too anxious, and it was so stressful. It was not even funny, and yeah, just in in general, just very, very sad. It was, like I mentioned, just a, one my biggest game watching United, and um, again, at the beginning of the season, the Europa League title, it's not not the trophy that you asked United fans, would you have taken it? You said, no, like, are you stupid? We're in the champions league, but having, having obviously lost out in the champions league group stage and made, made it to the Europa league final. It, it would have been, trust me, I, w- I would have celebrated. I wouldn't have been saying, Oh sure. We won the trophy, but it's only the Europa league, right? I would have been very happy with that. And um, by the time United have the chance to play for a trophy, I think the, the next available ones that care about cup final is going to be in like next January. It's going to have been, um, five years since you know, I have won a trophy, which is like a, one of the longest droughts, I think, since, well, definitely the longest drought since before Sir Alex took over. Um, not not where the, the club should be and deserves to be. And to be honest, like I, again, it might just be overreaction. I'm just a pessimistic fan in general, and you guys will know that. Before the final against Villarreal, I was very, very nervous, and other United fans would have been, yeah, but Villarreal are nervous to be playing against United as well, but I was just very nervous. Just That's just the way I am when it comes to big games, and um, I, I don't want to see, again, this might not be, this might not happen, but I don't want United to see United go the way of like Newcastle and Aston Villa now where they were, they were big clubs in their days and, and challenging for trophies and Villa, you know, winning two Champions Leagues or European Cups back then and stuff like that. And now just being nowhere. And I, I'm just afraid that that's going to happen with United. Obviously, um, United has like a huge amount of like financial power and stuff. So it would be like a, a very long drop to go down there, but I just I just hope United can end this this trophy drought for a long time. It's been tough as a fan, and again I, I've mentioned it like three or four times already in the last five minutes. But just starting to watch United where where I did, I, I obviously I had heard about like all the how good United were and how successful and ex- expecting trophies every year and stuff. So when um when Mourinho won the Carabao Cup and the in the Europa League, I. I of course, I was very happy. And I celebrated them, but I was like, okay, this there's more to come from this. Like next season, there'll be the league title. And next season after, it'll be the Champions League. Um, and I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you know, what I mean, I was expecting like a trophy every year at least. It's been four years now, and it's going to be five years, like I mentioned before, the next opportunity. And that's way, way too long. And as a fan, it's just um, it's just awful just to get the hopes up and and have them have them crushed. And yeah, I. Don't know. Like I, I know I haven't actually touched on the game too much, and I guess I could go into that right now. Um, again, Villarreal did very well. What they had to do just defensively, and I saw a lot of people. They're maybe a little bit disrespectful. They're just saying these these guys are the Spanish Burnley and, and stuff like that. But again, um, 
uh, you guys will know I say this all the time. There's no, in my mind, there's no right way to play the game. And the way they played the game was definitely not the most enjoyable to watch. But um, I, I can guarantee you that there's absolutely no, no Villarreal fan or player that's unhappy with the way that the, the team played. Uh, because it got them the result that they wanted, like you mentioned, their their first ever trophy. Um, I don't even think they've ever gotten a domestic trophy in Spain, or a major trophy anyway. So I think they've won the second division. But anyway, yeah, their first major trophy ever, which is obviously unreal. The Athletic put out a lot of good articles talking about like Villarreal, the city. There's only like 50,000 people, which is literally the same as where I'm from. And this is like a very, very small town, so I can't even imagine how, like, how it must feel for those people over there. I, and uh, it's just a credit to them, I guess. Like, there's no real rivalry between United and Villarreal, so it's it's nice to. Obviously, it's not nice to lose to them, but it's nice that it's a club like Villarreal. You know, just very like from from all accounts, just very like a, a community-driven club, and you can just walk around town and run to the president of the club, et cetera, et cetera, just stuff like that. So, it is pretty nice from that point of view. Um, and just interestingly, United have played Villarreal five times in their history and, and the previous four games were nil nil draws and this game was a one one draw which is kind of like one of those crazy stats but um but yeah just and then once uh, i'm just gonna i know i'm going all over the place it's gonna be a mess to follow but just going back into the second half and then when when cavani scored the uh, scored his goal there off i think it was off a corner i think rashford took a volley and it got deflected and fell right to cavani which we've seen him score two or three goals like that this season already um just showing like his good poetry instincts, but it after that you kind of really felt that the tide would turn and United would really put on the pressure, which they did, um, from my recollection. But they they couldn't just get the second goal, and um, yeah, it was just not again. None of the players played amazingly. Like you can't say that like oh this player was a standout, he deserved to win the game kind of thing. Like Bruno was more quiet than than um, we'd expect. And, and Rashford, I think, to be honest, it was, uh, again, I don't want to put the blame on, on him, on any player individually, but it was one of Rashford's worst games that I've ever seen him play. And it, again, it is fair to just mention this. Um, Rashford has been playing with injuries for years now. So uh, I just have to just have to credit him for like sticking through it and putting his body on the line for his team, but he did not have a good performance at all. And just at the back, you know, Lindelof and Bai does not exactly inspire confidence. I've been one of Bai's biggest, like, biggest fans. And as long as he's been injured, I'm saying get him in, get him in, get him in. Because he's a great player. But this is, again, all based on his first season. Which is, I guess, something that's that I tend to do. Is I see, like, great performances from players. And I kind of hang on to those. And, and just hope that they could come through, like, no matter what. Like, if we're being absolutely ruthless like Bai hasn't shown like the level of performance that he did in his first season in any of like the last four seasons but I'm still I'm still clinging on to that hope that he could bring back that form and and be the center back that United hopes he is but maybe at this point it's time to be a bit more realistic and, and say that maybe that's that type's ever going to come and again that's one of the reasons why I'm still such a big defendant of, of De Gea I'm like oh he was great three seasons ago four seasons ago like if he could get back to that form but sometimes that's just not uh, not an option and yeah and then um, just extra time. Again, it was stressful, obviously. If you're neutral, I, I imagine this was a, a really thrilling final. Um, extra time, you know, Villarreal, I think they were... I was I expected Villarreal to score an extra time. Having seen how they played in the first 15 minutes, I thought they were going to win it an extra time. Um, but thankfully, they didn't. And, and um, well, thankfully, they didn't. It, it went to penalties and Villarreal won anyway. And like I mentioned, just the, the quality of the penalties was very, very high. 
United as well had some good penalties. I was, but I was nervous when when you know Lindelof was stepping up and and Fred. I expected that one to go over the bar and just players like that. But I guess a, a high quality shootout, right? Out of what was it, twenty two shots? There was only one that was saved. So it goes goes some way to detailing the the quality of of all the players and their penalties. And I suppose that uh, the practice made perfect for her for most of them. But I know I know I was just jumping all over the place with with that. But I. I think that's probably everything that I wanted to mention. Um, and yeah, what, what did you think about it? Um, I imagine like probably disappointed for United, but happy from from Villarreal's point of view. Yeah, I don't. I don't really care that United lost. I was more yeah. happy to see Villarreal win. But like to be honest, the, I think the main takeaway is that you you and Aiden will look at the game the same way as I do. Is that one game like some of the overreactions for losing the game yes they should have won like the squad's better they should have won even with without Maguire and you know like United squad's better than Villarreal we all know that they should have won the game they didn't win the game but that doesn't discredit the fact that they actually have had a good season in terms of the, the way it's finished like they came second place they're in a better position now than they were at the start of the season um and I think that just a lot of the overreactions to losing one final, it's the same for Man City when we get on to talking about them, but losing one game and then you just see all these overreactions about the whole club and you see immediately Solskjaer getting, getting a lot of sticks saying, is he, is he the man? Like, I, I, I think that he, he didn't make the, the subs at the, at the right time in, in this game, but that doesn't mean he's done a terrible job and it's an absolute disgrace like some of the stuff i was i, I was seeing and yeah I, I, I thought united were easily gonna win this one so surprised uh happy for unai emery because his reputation should be completely restored i think i said in an episode or two ago when they beat arsenal like it's clear that he does actually have a plan of what he wants to do when he sets up his team um in terms of how they're working and moving the ball around it is more defensive uh, but it is effective, and you can clearly see what they're trying to do. And I still think that with Arsenal, not that over the long term it would have worked out with Arsenal, because I don't think their fans would have accepted that style based off of, you know, just what Arsenal fans want to see and what they've seen throughout the years. Uh, but I do think that it must have just been a communication problem between M and I and, and the players, because he's definitely a good manager, and I'm, I'm happy that his reputation's restored. Um, like you said, that pen the penalties were unbelievable. If I was a United fan, I would have lost my mind in frustration. Like when you see Francis Cochran taking just world class, world class penalties, all <laughs> every single one going right into the top corner. Like every single one would have been very frustrating. I did not expect, um, I did not expect them to hold their nerves. They were just smashing them in the back of the net. I think David De Gea he did get a lot of criticism. Thank you. Probably criticize them for maybe maybe not this penalty shoot because they all went right in the corner. But maybe previous years because we know he hasn't saved penalties in in years. I I do know for fact because I saw it. The last two out of three penalties he saved were against Everton. Yeah, absolutely. I was gonna I was gonna so mention annoying. that Baines and Lukaku. I remember yeah. those ones. That was yeah. so long and ago. Two though. guys who were. Yeah, I believe it's 2016, and yeah. Baines and Lukaku, two guys who are both very good at penalties, just uh, even more frustrating. But yeah. yeah, the Villarreal penalties were absolutely insane. Um, but 
for United, obviously, yes, it's frustrating losing one game, but sometimes you have to look at the 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 bigger picture. And I, I'm just kind of in the camp now that for this season and next next episode next week will be our our, uh, our season review. So I won't touch on it too much. But for me, United, like always shown that um, maybe not the performances, but the results that have um, that he's got out of this United team, he deserves at least the backing to make a couple more of the signings in areas that are very, very clear to see to improve the United team to really have a go, um, to really have a go and actually seeing if this United team after the investment can, can after investment in certain areas can compete for the title. I think he deserves, he definitely deserves a chance, but again, it'll probably take one more year, but again, we'll get onto that next week. Um, what else do I have to say? It was it was a good game from the neutral. Obviously, it's always good when it goes goes to extra time and stuff. I thought United the first half. I thought they just were just so slow and didn't really seem like they realized it was a final or something. But once uh, Cavani scored about ten minutes after that, I'm like, okay, they're definitely going to win this. But then Villarreal just slowed slowed the game right down and just. By, by the end of it, it just slowed it down. And by the end of extra time, like you said, it kind of seemed like they would probably be the one to be the ones to win it. And then Solskjaer just really, really, uh, really waiting a long time to make those subs. But again, part of that is he, he obviously doesn't trust the substitutes. So maybe you need to back him, get a couple more players in the door. So the options that are currently starting would be on the bench, that sort of thing, if you want to look at it that way. Um, but yeah, obviously disappointing. Disappointing for United, but someone who has never seen my club win a trophy, it's very, very good to see teams like Villarreal win over over the biggest team. So overall, I'm, I'm pretty happy for, for uh, Villarreal. We'll move on now. Champions League final, Jake. Chelsea taking on Manchester City. Pep Guardiola finally back in a European final. Uh, we thought, okay, in, leading up to this game, he's made very logical decisions in terms of the lineups of the teams that he's put out. If Man City put out their their strongest team, they're probably this is probably their best chance of winning um, in a really long time in terms of Pep not screwing the lineup up. Uh, Chelsea putting up a lineup as you'd expect with with Conte playing, and we'll talk a lot about him, I'm sure. Uh, Conte coming back from injury, putting out Chelsea, putting out a lineup that you would expect. Pep com- completely overthinking this one, just decides not to put a defensive midfielder out there. I don't understand that decision, but uh, obviously Chelsea win one nil. Chelsea won the Champions League final. Uh, Jake, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, this one again was kind of a. <laughs> a night, a nightmare final for me as well. Obviously, City uh, with the the club and the rivalry, and just the way that they've bought their their success. And then, obviously, my my brother is a Chelsea fan, and I I can tell you he has been a little bit insufferable so far after the game. Um, so that was kind of the the dilemma I had. But of course, if I had to choose, I would choose Chelsea to to win over City. Um, regardless of all the teasing I was making, my brother was actually convinced I was going for City, but that would never happen. Um, but yeah, this final could have consequences for City as well. I saw uh, Sam Lee from The Athletic. He has obviously good contacts. He, he put out an article yesterday 
and he listed the players who are now like not unhappy enough to force a move in, in the case of all of them, but they're all like not happy not ex- not happy with the situation right now at City. There's obviously Aguero who's gone, so that's okay, but he was unhappy with the way his exit was handled. Um, Gabriel Jesus is unhappy just with the amount of games that he's been playing and, and his role. The same with Sterling and Emmerich Laporte and Bernardo Silva, which is a little bit surprising, but I could kind of see it. As well as Rodri and Cancelo, because Cancelo obviously has had a really good season, but he hasn't played for the last couple of weeks. And obviously not starting in the final is a, is a blow for him. And Mares is also might be on his way out like due to his contract situation if he doesn't sign a new one. So that's, what is that? One, two, three, four, eight players, eight big players. I'd say most of them are starters that are unhappy with the way things are going now. So I'm not obviously I'm not expecting all eight of them to leave, but it's kind of interesting the way um the way it, this is going for City. I'm sure if they would have won the final, the the players wouldn't really have had much of a leg to stand on. They would have said, okay, like they're not in the team, but we won the Champions League. So clearly the manager was vindicated. But I guess in this case, these these players all have um, reason to be like skeptical or you know, hoping it would have gone a different way. Um, and just in terms of a, of the lineup, I thought it was a strange lineup, obviously, like most people. I wasn't overwhelmed by it like others. Like I wasn't saying, like, this guy's out of his mind. Um, but for me, like you mentioned as well, the main point was that there wasn't a, a defensive midfielder playing. Um, like we've seen for the for the most part of the whole Premier League season, he hasn't played with a number nine. And obviously I saw a lot of people after the game. It's just reactionary, but saying, oh, maybe it would have been a good idea to start a number nine if you need a goal, blah, blah, blah. But they haven't done it for most of the season. So um, I'll repeat it again. For me, the main thing was having no defensive midfielder starting. Probably, I probably would start Fernandinho over Rodri, but I would have definitely start at least one of them. Um, I could be wrong because I haven't been watching that many City games recently just due to the timing or whatever, but I haven't seen Bernardo play too often. I was kind of surprised that he started. I Obviously, I would have just done, you know, De Bruyne and, and Gundogan as the advanced central midfielders and, and Fernandinho sitting. But it was interesting to put Gundogan deep and, and and De Bruyne and Bernardo. Obviously, De Bruyne had to get subbed off as well with, I think it turned out to be a fractured nose and a fractured orbital bone, which I did not think it was that serious when I saw what happened. I was, I was expecting him to get up at any point and keep playing, but then... Um, I guess when he got subbed off, you could kind of see his face. It looked like he had like a black eye or whatever. It looked like it was swollen. So I guess that explains it. But obviously, he's sad for De Bruyne. Um, don't think he had a good final, to, to be honest. But again, he only played about, what was it, 45 plus whatever it was in the second half, like five more minutes. So um, could have easily just had like, you know, a, a brilliant 10 minutes and assisted two goals or something like that. But it's definitely a miss. But I don't think that substitution decided the final for them. Um, and I guess the reason why Pep went for the lineup that he did was, I, I guess he wanted to probably score quickly, and because um, Chelsea don't have a good record under Tuchel or under this season in general, um, when the other team has scored first against them, so I expect that that's probably what he wanted to do, but did not work out again. Just the it's kind of kind of funny that the the ultra attacking lineup only had one shot on target over the course of the whole game, which is. Again, not what you expect from a, from a city team at all, and um, I think, yeah, Chelsea played played really well, and they they deserved the win. It was Kai Havertz, who, to be honest, like, I over the I'm not ready to say his whole time at Chelsea has been a flop, but this season I think he's definitely been a flop, right? Or before this game, I would have said he would have been a flop. Um, I don't think I think he had only scored like one goal in the league, and. 
and set up two or three more and not really play like started a couple then been on the bench for a couple and i don't think he got like a good rhythm going but and and to be honest when i saw chelsea's Chelsea's lineup for the Champions League final. I was most surprised that Havertz was starting over, you know, Pulisic or whoever else. So that's just just being completely honest. I saw a lot of people saying, "Oh, no doubt that Havertz is starting." Blah blah blah. But again, that was after the final whistle, and it's it's much easier to say that after. But to be completely honest, I thought that was where the the interesting decision was going to be that Havertz starting. But it was a really nice goal and a great pass by Mount, um, who obviously we you know I've I've completely changed my opinion about him over the course of the season as well. Uh, again, just really coming up clutch when it really mattered for, for his team. And yeah, Chelsea winning. Again, it was one of those where they didn't really look like they were under that much pressure as well. Like, obviously, I think late on, Mares had that shot with his right foot that just went over the bar with like 30 seconds left. But other than that, obviously, there were nervy moments from Chelsea's point of view, but they, there wasn't like a huge chance, you know, where you're like, oh, City have to score this one. And I. It, it, yeah, it was it was kind of blunt from City going forward, to be honest, and it's kind of a little bit surprising. But uh, yeah, you get what you get. I'm, I'm again, like I mentioned, I'm pretty happy, relatively happy with the result. Obviously, not happy that either of these teams had to had to win the final. But if I had to choose one, like I mentioned, it, it would definitely be Chelsea. And yeah, it was just nice to see you know Tuchel and Thiago Silva get over the heartbreak from last season. They both moved to different clubs and. And they get the prize that they're after for, for so long, especially in Thiago Silva's case. I think even back when he was in Italy with AC Milan, he mentioned that the Champions League was a trophy that he really wanted. And I think it's like 10 years later and he's finally got his hands on it. So it's always nice to see um, so, some good stories like that. Just, you know, not not exactly redemption stories, but just players kind of maybe not looking like they were going to get the prize that they're after and end up getting it like in the in the late stage of, of their careers in, in Thiago Silva's case. And yeah, it is nice. Just devastating as well for some of the city players, like especially Aguero, you know, his last game, you saw the headline where I think it was like six years ago. He said, I'm not leaving city until we win the champions league. And his last game is the champions league final, but he just can't get it done. It's, it's sad from, from those players points of view, but yeah, obviously uh, one team has to has to win and one team has to lose. I, I expect that you'll be touching on this a lot more, but all I'll say is that N'Golo Kante played really, really well. And especially in like after the 90th minute, I was looking and there was like three or four interceptions in his end and like three or four headers that he won and, you know, clearances and, and passing the ball out, just, um, just eating up time. He, he played really, really well, of course. And I think in every knockout stage this season he won man of the match in at least one of the legs as and as well as in the final so that just goes to tell you um the the kind of player that he is and it's nice after obviously in golo Kante, he's like the player that no one can hate and last season he didn't he didn't play very much at all he was injured almost whole season there were a lot of people saying maybe you know his his style is catching up to him the way he runs all game and tackles and everything but it's nice to see that he's come back and as well just the the amazing performance that he put in he, he just came back from in, from an injury for this game as well a hamstring injury which is obviously not easy to come back from and not easy to to run it off i guess but he did uh he did it as well as anyone else could and yeah pretty much all i wanted to say i think and yeah just well done to to chelsea and i guess i didn't say it for the last one but well done to, to villarreal as well and uh yeah what what did you think about this game jack Yes, yeah, so like similar to what I thought again about how United lost as well, and obviously the criticism that Solskjaer received. It's the same thing for for Pep in terms of like they still they still won the league, they they still won a lot this season, 
but it seems like a failure at the very last stage. The, the difference is this is everything to do with the Manchester City project has led to the fact that all they need to do is win the Champions League. And it's the one thing that they haven't been able to get their hands on or even get close to. And it's just, I, I'm genuinely confused. Like you said, you were, you, you didn't like go like, um, you like didn't go crazy over the news when Man City released their team. Like, obviously we know that they don't play with the recognized striker, but the fact that you, you can't come up against a midfield and N'Golo Conte and just not have a defensive midfielder. Like literally every single time that Man City lost the ball in this game, it's just Conte just taking the ball and just running with it or Mount taking the ball and just running with it all the way, all the way to the top of the 18 of Man City's box. So um, and I stones were shaky it, it too. Must be, yeah, exactly. He didn't start off the game very well, and, and Diaz wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't great. But yeah. again, a lot of this comes from. I don't really blame the the players in this case. Like, like Guardiola did not put them in a position to succeed there. Like you need as good as they are going forward. Even if you have a bunch of attacking players, again, it doesn't really matter. The balance of the team has to be there in order for everything to function properly. So you don't have that player just sitting who can just kind of dictate the game. Like obviously Ilkay Gundwan's a great player, but we've seen the season, like he's not a defensive midfielder and he's not athletic enough to go and tackle and win the ball back. And we've seen his best qualities this season have been like arriving late in the box or just sneaking into the box and scoring goals. So just a very, very strange decision. It's just Pep again. I know he has come out with interviews in the past and probably pretty recently as well in terms of people quite like people saying like is it fair of people to question you and say you can't win the champions league without barcelona and the only reason you won it with barcelona is because you had messy and amazing players and like what are your thoughts on this and he basically said i completely agree like he's like the reason i won it's because i had amazing players and like he's like basically him saying like i have so much to prove because i haven't won it i haven't won it in these other times with these great teams so at least got some self-awareness but Again, just honestly, if you're Man City, just let somebody else pick the team. Just let let them pick the team. It'll be good to go. Um, but I don't want to just jump over. Like I just don't want to speak about Man City because Chelsea, Tuchel got spot on. We spoken at the beginning of the year about how many good players that they have in this Chelsea team under Lampard. They weren't doing too well, but we won't focus on on him today but coming like Tuchel coming into a job and winning the Champions League in half a season is an unbelievable achievement no matter like what you have at your disposal and um just again like the last three times he's played against Guardiola he's he's had his number every single time and the tactics were spot on just looking to wait and counter Man City and when they have the opportunity get right get right through the the, the defense when the chance came and Obviously, they had a couple of chances. Timo Werner, for as yeah. bad as his finishing is, if he ever actually learns to score, they're yeah. going to win every single game. He will be a menace, yeah. Because he can't score. But his move, exactly, his move, yeah, his movement's so good that it's a pain anyway. If he if he actually scores next season, geez, they're going to be a, they're going to be an impossible team to stop. But then you see yeah. like Pulisic getting a chance in the in the second half as well. It's it's um. Yeah, just they, they played it absolutely perfectly and the tactics were spot on. It just has, deserves so, so much credit. And I would like to 
to throw in there as well that Tuchel was completely linked and he actually spoke in an article. This was years ago. This was before Everton got Sam Allardyce, but apparently Tuchel was one of the people interested in the Everton job. So just, just want to throw that in there as well. It's just another absolute calamity from from Everton in terms of their decisions. But yeah, he's an elite level manager. And again, we'll, we'll touch on it, I'm sure, in our next season's preview and the, the review next week. But I'd be shocked if, if we didn't have Chelsea at least as title contenders for next season when we when we make those predictions. But they're just, they're so good. And uh, last thing I'll say, Angola Conte, like, he was so good in this game. He's 30, he's 30 years old and he's still running so much. I've never seen a player who can run as much as he can. And like, where would you, Jake, where would you put, obviously we, when we speak about all our time supporting our clubs um, for, for those listening, like we live in Canada in terms of the actual exposure that we get to the, to the broadcasting of the sport actually hasn't been around for as long as it is like in other places in the world. Like you only really see your team on TV over the last like 10 years or so pretty much. So that's when you actually get to watch them play. And I would say like for this generation of premier league midfield, we'll stick to premier league midfielders where Jake, would you put him up against is, is he, cause he could be the bat. You could easily make an argument that he's been the best in the last 10 years, but where where would you place him around? Yeah, to be honest, I would probably again. I don't have like a list planned out, but I'd definitely put him in, in my top three. I think, and I think some people would be surprised. Like maybe like David Silva would be another one in the top three, and there'd be some players obviously who who probably had like better individual seasons than Conte's ever had. Like obviously much many or sorry very different types of midfielders, but like Yaya Toure within that season when he scored like 20 goals in the league or whatever. But obviously, like you said, the last 10 years and Toure hasn't been here for like, what, the last three and he hasn't, he didn't play for like the season before that or something like that. So um, yeah, just a roundabout way. I think, I think Conte's, well, I'm, he's definitely up there and I, I might just pep him for my number one, to be honest. Obviously, I don't have all the options lined up, but I think just over what we've seen and the way he's just transformed, like the, even, you know, the way Leicester would not have won the title without him in there. And then the next season he moved to Chelsea and they immediately won the title right back. So I think obviously he's had a big impact in that. And he's won, obviously it's not just down to him, but he's literally won everything there is to win aside from the Euros. I think he's won, you know, the World Cup, Europa League, Premier League, Champions League, FA Cup, Carabao Cup, maybe, you know, just unreal from him. And, I would, I would definitely put him in my top three, and I think I'm ready to say probably number one right now. I, I just wish he had gone to United as, as, instead of Chelsea, but that was such a long time ago. It's just nice to be able to just enjoy him, enjoy the way he plays, and just, just watch him play with a smile on his face. He's just like – like he's the, the definition of like a regular guy who just managed to like make it as a professional. You could tell he's still like like very grounded, and like very humble, and it's just nice to see him. He's a very nice guy, obviously, from – from the interviews we've seen and just the way he treats like his teammates and stuff. And yeah, I'm just very happy that obviously N'Golo Kante can, can be one to, to win trophies. Uh, who knows? Maybe a cheeky Ballon d'Or next year. We'll see. What do you think? That would be, yeah, that would be something. I know that, I know like 
because we can only say for the last like 10 years or so based off of the the midfielders that we've seen but i've seen people who are older comparing them to like patrick Vieira, saying like who is better but when you look at like, oh, that that's that's before our time for the broadcasting in this country from what i've seen but uh, uh like the fact that he's even compared to those guys and the trophies like you just listed them off the trophies he's won he has to be in the conversation just when it comes to individual performances getting man of the match in like the last three european games the final and both of the semi-final games it's just absolutely unbelievable and like imagine having a player like him in your team i can't even imagine having a midfielder who could run in mine i haven't seen one in years so it's uh yeah congratulations to chelsea uh man city don't worry i'm sure that He'll probably buy Harry Kane and be back next year. So it's fine as long as Guardiola just plays a proper, a proper team. But no, nobody can. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can expect him to do that. He might have to make some more crazy changes next year. But uh, we'll move on to the last part of the show where I do, I do want to talk about it. I don't know how much I want to talk about it, but Everton, not that it would have mattered because even if they won their last game of the season, they still wouldn't have made it into Europe based off of other results out of their control. But Everton finish off their season getting absolutely destroyed at the Etihad, 5-0 by Man City. Sergio Aguero's testimonial scores two goals off the bench and the Everton team literally just... Jake, I don't even know where to go with this because I, I, I want to save my long Everton rants. I might have to split it up between this show and, and next week's episode. But, like, Aguero comes on in this game. And when I saw the lineup, first of all, Man City, Pat, you put out a stronger lineup against Everton for no reason than, than you did it for the Champions League final. So that, if anything, if you're going to go with an overreaction, that's an absolute disgrace. I don't understand. You put a strong strongest possible lineup against like i don't mean to swear but they're like everton are shit and you just put you just put your strongest lineup against them we actually needed a win we had no chance to win the game it was very evident very early on after conceding pretty early and gilfie sigurdsson missing a penalty that's that's nice too still hasn't scored a free kick for everton i know it's a different story but this guy get he needs to leave but Man State just dominated them from start to finish. And then Aguero came on. And as soon as when he came on, the defenders for Everton, like Michael Keane and Mason Holgate, just just watched him. They literally gave him like five, ten yards of space and just watching Aguero just curl outside of the foot into the bottom corner. It's like, okay, well, if you give him that much space, he's going to score. And they were just watching him score and just bag a bunch of goals against us. It was so embarrassing. It was just like, I know the a bunch of the Everton media channels and podcasts were pretty much like saying that Everton were just turned up for the entertainment for the Sergio Aguero testimonial. They were just the performing act that that was just entertainment for the fans. Cause they were so, so, so bad. Um, and like, ah, I don't want to, I don't want to over overthink it, but I know I've said to you off camera in terms of the way the clubs are run that even, even this season, like finishing, we finished behind Arsenal. We, Arsenal are terrible when we finished behind them. I've said we deserve to be in the Europa Conference League. I've said that as a joke, saying like that's where we deserve because it's a joke the way the clubs run. And we still didn't even get there. We finished 10th. Just not great. But the way the clubs are currently run, like you see teams like Leeds, 
who are definitely like yeah, they have more time with Bielsa, but we'll, we'll see if they're, they're better run. I don't know them that well, but Leeds are definitely going to be competitive. Aston Villa are going to be very, very competitive. Teams like I've said teams like Brighton in terms of the way the club is run, teams like Brighton on their trajectory, if you can call it that, once they get more art like pieces in place, their trajectory from what I'm seeing in terms of the way the club is run is on a upward slope for Everton. I genuinely, it, it could be, but I genuinely have no idea what, what they're going to do. And it's so obvious what they need to do in the transfer market. They need to sign some players who have pace and strength. They just need athletes. But then again, that's hard to recruit because Ancelotti changes his tactics every single game. So it's kind of hard for players to, you know, get that continuity. It takes very, very good good players to be able to do that and are those very very good players going to come to everton no because they finished 10th but um i want jake i'll let you speak on the, the way the season wrapped up really quickly for everton do do we expect do we trust everton to actually get it right this summer and what is like very very obvious what they need to do in the summer it's difficult to recruit but it is it is obvious in terms of the positions that they need yeah i'm, I'm not sure if i would trust them to be honest obviously I, i'd be hoping but i think maybe our well, obviously we'll go over it next week but i think our preseason predictions were just a bit too optimistic i could maybe see like everton like maybe finishing higher than arsenal and maybe like Leeds and west ham next season if things like revert back to normal who knows um but yeah, just absolutely, just yeah, just getting absolutely smoked by City, very disappointing. And that was one of the things I I, I wrote down to mention is the fact that Arsenal, after the horrible season that they've had, and it has been a horrible season, and they they finished above above Everton on the last day. I think it might have been like the first time all season Arsenal have been above Everton, and of course it's the last day. Um, so that was disappointing. Obviously, Arsenal did not like you mentioned; it didn't make a difference in the end because um, of the way Spurs beat Leicester to, to confirm the European spot and West Ham beat Southampton. Um, but overall, yeah, of course, you still just want to win the game and or at least show something in the game that could give you positives to take into next season. Um, this game was obviously on the same time as United Wolves. All the games were on the same time, so I didn't see it uh, from minute one to minute 90, but I did have it on, on the side, but obviously I was paying uh, a bit more attention to the United game. But yeah, it was just very disappointing. Like you mentioned, just letting Aguero pass Rooney's record for the most goals for a Premier League club. That is something I will never forgive Everton's defenders for, Rooney. Ugh. Well, can I, sorry, Jake, can I just interrupt really yeah. quick? And when you say letting him score, it was letting him score. It was that <laughs> bad. It wasn't like they tried. It looked like they were like, do you want, oh, you you want a goal? Oh, here you go. Yeah, yeah. you want a goal? It, like, it was, the defending was so bad, even like, Ben Godfrey, he's been great all season, but even like even Ben, he had a he had a terrible game, but everybody did. So it's not just his fault. But yeah, you see some players in this team, like my my opinion. Very like if I'm just again, I, I try to, but it's really hard sometimes because I try to be optimistic as an Everton fan. But when you actually look at the team, how many of them are actually at a very, very good level in order to compete with these top teams? And you go through it, it's like in my personal opinion, Calvert-Lewin is good enough. He's shown how many goals he can score. He barely even gets any chances. If you put him in a 
team yeah. that creates. He would easily he scored like 16 goals this season in the in the league. You put him in a team that creates easily 20 goal goal season striker. Richarlison has not shown his level at all this season. Yeah, that was um, the main thing too. His he yeah he's been bad, but he's got enough credit in the bank to at least see what he can do for another season. But you go like Alex Owobi, as much as I want to see him give a chance, if he's not going to be given a chance and if he's seen as a winger, then he's not good enough. Not really his fault because yeah. he's not a winger. Uh, but you look at the midfield, like Sigurdsson, not good enough. Decore is a very good player, but in terms of the truly elite, he probably looks much better than he actually is in this Everton team because he is such a good athlete. But in terms of the actual level, it might be misleading just mm-hmm. compared to the other players he's surrounded with. Allen is very, very good on the ball. He is probably really good, but again, he's getting older. I think he's 30 now. James Rodriguez is good enough, but he's never fit. Um, Luca Dean is good enough. Ben Godfrey is exciting young talent, but again, in my opinion, Everton fans overrate what his actual level is. Yeah. Again, he looks much better because of who he's playing with. Yeri Mina is good but he's always injured. He is our best defender, but he's always injured. Coleman, his, he's coming to the end of his career, so it's not really his fault that he's not at the level. And then you think like Andre Gomez is not not good enough. I used to think, I, I was fooled by him in his first season when he actually really didn't do anything even back then. And then just go through the rest of the team. They're just really, they're just really not good enough to truly be competitive. And then you just don't trust what they're actually going to do in the transfer market yeah to improve and uh also i just i just really quickly i'll let you continue but i'm reading i just opened twitter for a sec to check something and there's a bunch of reports coming out that apparently ancelotti is the number one target by real madrid and they've already began talks and bringing them back to real madrid now that Zidane's oh really on. this is breaking news within the last hour or so so Jeez. so that's good Ancelotti's leaving we're in 10th the team is terrible not not that like personally like i like ancelotti i'll try to stop ranting we're almost done i'm sorry for the listeners no, but it has to be done i have to talk <laughs> i've talked to somebody i try to talk to my family they just, just walk yeah, away don't so, care uh yeah well they shouldn't have to it's it's pathetic but they like ancelotti when we look at everton i say like the way the clubs run honestly if you're looking for an identity like we have Ancelotti, but if you're looking for a clear identity, that's not Ancelotti's thing. Doesn't mean he's not an elite manager. He obviously is. But if you're looking for an identity, which is what we need, then he's probably not the best option for that. I know a lot of Everton fans are like, "You're you're an idiot if you don't think Ancelotti's the best option." But personally, if you're looking for an identity, which is probably most like. You know, like if I ask you, like, what wh- what is an Everton team? What are they supposed to look like? You couldn't tell me for the last five years what it is. Just random, older players, random, bad, bad, very, very slow players yeah. who score long range goals every now and then. But like, if you're looking for an identity, if you were to leave, and again, this is definitely, I'd be shocked if this happened. If you were to leave, you know bring in something with an identity and build from there it actually in my opinion wouldn't be the end of the world but again this is a basket case of a club most of the time in, in, in the way that they run but we'll just we'll just follow i will follow blindly and just try to keep the blue tinted glasses on at all times but jake <laughs> continue in your your little 
dialogue. No, that was mostly mostly had it covered there. Just yeah, need to get better for next season, I guess. Like I get Everton's season. Very good. They, very good. Very good analysis there, Jake. Get thanks. better for next season. <laughs> Um. Yeah, Everton's season kind of went in reverse in the way that it usually goes, right? Because I think for the last four or five years, it's Everton. They've started off like decent for like two games, then they've really gone downhill, been in the relegation zone, replaced the manager, then kind of spend the rest of the season just catching up and eventually finishing between you know seventh and and twelfth. But this season, uh, I know we touched on it a couple of weeks ago, but just starting off in. What they start off, Jack? Four, four wins out of four, five wins out of five, something like that. Um, yep, we are top of the league. Yeah, top of the table for a couple. I'll never of weeks. forget September. Yeah, and then, uh, and yeah, just like I mentioned, the opposite. This season, it was just spent starting off really well, and then just slowly dropping more and more points until uh, until it just became too much. And like like we mentioned, obviously the last week, just the fact that uh, some some of the teams uh, passed them on the table. Just Everton finishing tenth. After you know the just the players that they have, like some of the way that they some of them played this season, like you mentioned, Calvert Lewin played well, etc. And um, and just the fact that it was Ancelotti's first full season, it's definitely a disappointment to finish in tenth. And like I, like I mentioned, um, just just got to find a way to get to get better for next season, and and hopefully at least reach the uh, the Conference League, I guess, if if that's what Everton fans are after, just maybe just qualifying for Europe, no matter what it is. I don't know. There you go. But what are what are your thoughts? We'll finish on on this. Like, what are, what are your thoughts on Everton? Like the the identity. Obviously, Ancelotti's the manager, and you're gonna you know, obviously back the manager. But in terms of what the club needs, in terms of continuity, in terms of a structure that years after Ancelotti leaves, the structure is still in place. The identity is still in place. The the current non-existing identity yeah. that's in place what like in terms of the management decision in terms of the identity of the club what like what would you think would be the best way to 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 move forward yeah probably the way like i'd say like 90 percent clubs are trying to do it now just keep bringing like the younger players like like they did with um ben godfrey you see how well that turned out like obviously it's been speculation for a while but let's say everton end up signing uh max aarons or you know, whoever else, just young midfielders, just get the team younger and, and more more legs in them and just make it like a team that young players will want to play for. It'll be exciting. Obviously, they more, I don't want to generalize like older and younger players, but it, probably in general, just more energy, like capable of playing like more attacking or like vertically and, and, and need, not needing to spend half the game defending and then the other half the game like trying to nick something on the counterattack kind of thing. Um, so I think that would be a good one. I think... Obviously, it's an extreme example, but I think Chelsea kind of proved that you don't always necessarily need an identity, but obviously their their owner is incredibly rich and he puts in a lot of money, and it's really a unique scenario. So I'm not saying in, in any way that Everton sh- should just go the Chelsea model of just sacking a manager every every six months and, and seeing what the new guy can do. But um, I guess, uh, yeah, Chelsea are a really unique example, but I guess they show that, like, having this so-called like identity isn't like the most important thing. It's just, you need to have like, you need to put people in positions where they can succeed, like by, by players or most importantly, I guess, higher managers who know what they're doing and, and, and who can work with like different scenarios and adapt. And 
which is one of Ancelotti's strengths, by the way. I'm not I'm not using that as a, a way to like critique him. That's one of his strengths, and and just see what they could do. Well, I guess. Well, can I just can I just say something really quick, Jake? Like yeah. I'm like some people do not criticize anything that Ancelotti does, and that's completely unfair because he can be criticized for a lot. My mm-hmm. my personal opinion is that he he's obviously you don't know what's going on in the training ground but we know how good Ancelotti is with elite level players and a lot of Everton fans saying just get him elite level players that's that's not how it works when you're a club like Everton that's literally not how it works but when you don't have these elite level players and, and let's face it some of these players are average and below average that Everton have when it comes to coaching they're not good so you have to literally show them or drill it into them exactly what you want them to do. So even if they're limited and not the best players, they're like, I know exactly what I have to do. They don't have to think. That's why you see like other yeah. teams in the league. I'll use just Graham Potter as an example because Brighton are very good and the metrics show that they should should be good despite a lot of people who don't believe in that stuff, which I don't really understand. But the players aren't – they've got some good players, but – a lot of them are fairly average, but they've been coached and instructed exactly what they're supposed to do for the style. And therefore, even if they're not the best, they know exactly what their yeah, roles their are role, and they yeah. just do their job. Whereas Everton, it's almost like these not as good players are just trying to do it off the cuff and just they're not that good. So it's not so it's not gonna work. So in terms of eventual yeah, he puts them in positions to to succeed like most of the time but a lot of the criticism or like a lot of people who criticize Ancelotti just get so much backlash when I, I think that quite a bit of it's warranted although I will admit like Everton yes we did have a bunch of injuries this season and we would have done absolutely terribly if we didn't revert back to like yeah. super defensive tactics at, at parts of the season but uh go on no that was that was mostly it just um and again, it's like you mentioned, like no manager is like immune from criticism, but then you also have to see like exactly what they're trying to do and, and what they're dealing with, right? Like you mentioned, it, it's easy from an outside view just to say um, how Ancelotti has played defensively this season. He's not gotten the best out of, who knows, uh, Richarlison or Allen or whoever. Uh, it's easy to say that kind of thing, but then when you kind of look at what he's dealing with, like you mentioned, like the injuries has been a big part. Um, and just the players that he has, like when you – Again, we've mentioned before, when you have Gilfi, Andre Gomez, Allen, and Tom Davies, and at least two of those guys start every week, you, you, you can't really play a, a way where, you know, the, your players will all be bombing forward and you, can, you, you need them to, you know, move up into the opponent's box to make up the numbers and then run back and catch up. That's just not going to work. So, um, like, obviously, you've seen a lot of Everton a lot more than I would have. So, I think, like, it's just general that you could probably – um, like disagree with the way Ancelotti has done some things this season, but it's also understandable from a certain point of view. And and there's like a give and take when it comes to it. Like Ancelotti's obviously yeah, doing well, the best with what he can, right? I think in some cases, yes. I think that he might not be getting the absolute most out of the squad. But yeah. then again, when when we talk about and I speak about identity this squad is very unbalanced so maybe like maybe next season they bring in a couple of players if they get recruitment right and those players allow them to at least start having some sort of identity yeah. um 
but again, it's hard to have an identity because the, the, the actual makeup of the squad is so unbalanced. Like, yeah, we don't have any wingers. We genuinely don't have any wingers, don't have pace. So in terms of patterns of play, that sort of thing. I'm not a coaching expert. I just give my opinions based off of what I see and, and read from what I can understand. And it would be very hard in terms of how unbalanced the squad to say this is how we're going to play because you can't really – you can't predict it. It doesn't really work. You can't really play counterattack because there's no speed. There's yeah. You can't play all out attack because there's no speed to, to cover on, on on defense. So yeah, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. It'll be interesting to see what they do this summer. I'll rant. I'm sure I'll rant next week when when uh, more information comes out about what their what their plans are. But I think that's all. Uh, I think that's all for this week. Do you have anything else to add, Jake? No, not much relevant i just um i watched the the sir alex ferguson documentary and that 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 was amazing it was a just um enjoyable to watch i guess and it was just nice to, to focus on his life and obviously learning some stuff that i didn't know but obviously not not relevant to what we've talked about today i just thought i'd throw that out there it was nice to have a good a good watch that i'll definitely check it out as well uh, i think that's all for this week follow us on twitter at otl soccer pod um, and just want to say thank you for listening next week we'll be back with our season review shortly followed by our uh, euro 2020 or euro 2021 whatever they're calling it we'll give our uh, our tournament uh, preview so yeah we'll be back next week thanks for listening thank you bye